welcome to the Retro Blood. You are all my children now. You want to know what happens to an eyeball when it gets splintered? You got any idea how much blood jets out of a guy's neck and his throat's been Whatever it is that gives the dead the appearance of life. Oh, it is not the appearance of life, it is life. This is not magic, as you say. I am a scientist. We'll tear your soul apart. Get me back! Get me back, Don't be afraid! No. Be afraid. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Retro Blood. J.A. Allison, James Klein, here to enlighten you on everything that a green water Satan could be about here on the Retro Blood, because we're going to be talking all about the John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Prince of Darkness, John, pretty crazy man. Prince of Darkness, Satan in a bottle. Yes. Satan, Satan in a bottle. So it's not only so it's Satan's. So Satan is the kid in this one, and his daddy, the the Antichrist, wants to break through the portals of the of the wildness over here. Yeah. Well, it's the Anti God. Oh. But yeah. The Anti God. But yeah. But we'll get into that. We're gonna be getting all into that. Because we're gonna be talking all about Prince of Darkness, a very very uh very interesting movie and. Uh, pretty interesting backstories on this movie as well. So we'll get into it a little bit. We're just going to get right into it right now. So this movie was released on October 23rd, 1987. And which is pretty uh, crazy when I was doing some of my research um, over here. Apparently this movie didn't do that great at the box office. Like... It, like it did you know it did like decent but it wasn't like some sort of big blockbuster and stuff but just like with a lot of movies we're talking about nowadays um when they got released you know maybe not a lot of people saw them or really got it but they grew over time to be very like cult classics to be very innovative movies like movies before its time and this one right here was definitely one of those type of movies oh for sure and this is actually part of um john carpenter's apocalypse trilogy which is kind of weird because I guess he didn't like intend to do a apocalypse trilogy because all these movies are very like spaced apart. Um, so he did the thing, which we'll probably re- review over here in the retro blood sometime in the future. He did that in 1982, and then a couple five years later, that's when he had this movie idea, and then he came out with the uh, In the Mouth of Madness in 1994. So pretty crazy how they're all like spaced apart, but yet they're supposed to be like a like a semi of a trilogy together of having like apocalypse themes and very doomy themes. Yep, the end of the world, basically. Yeah, pretty crazy. So you got any? Uh, let's see what we got over here. So let's uh, let's get into before we break down this movie because the biggest meat of this story is going to be the actual movie review. There wasn't a whole lot of stuff going on in the world of like metal and, and wrestling at the time. Um, 
you know, there's probably, you know, people are probably doing shows and stuff, but I couldn't find it. A lot of stuff happened on the exact date. Um, the thing I found, so the wrestling thing I found, we'll do that first because that's probably the, one of the biggest things, was actually a, a WWF house show at this time. Huh, interesting. And it actually was on October 23rd, 1987 at the Pontiac Silverdome in Pontiac, Michigan. Wow. So A house show at the Silverdome. Yes, exactly. That's crazy. <laughs> that is but pretty anyway. crazy. So I was like, okay, this is pretty wild. So you can, uh, you know, we're driving into Trans Am. We're heading up to the Pontiac Silverdome, the huge Silverdome. You know, we can we can check this out, and they probably at the local theater. We could be watching it because I'm pretty sure, like, so John Carpenter's films mostly probably went to some of the major the- theaters during this time because he was pretty well known during this time. So I'm probably sure his his and went out to like the freaking snuff films uh, theaters and stuff. They're probably at the major theaters. Uh, yeah, I mean, this was definitely um, a major release, uh, you know, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was definitely a major release. So here's the card that we got going on um, at the, the Silver Dome. So the first match we're going to have Randy Savage's brother, Lanny Poflo. He defeated Barry Horowitz. Do you remember Barry Horowitz, the guy who used to slap his back for some reason? Yeah, just barely. Lanny Poffo versus Barry Horowitz. That was your curtain jerker there. Like, if, like so imagine. So, so think about this for a second. Uh-huh. So, like, we we drove the Trans Am up to to, to Pontiac, Michigan, yeah, uh, outside of Detroit, and we went to this house show with ninety three thousand people, supposedly. Um, I'm sure it didn't draw WrestleMania in that three numbers, but you know what I mean. No, I so we go know. to this, and the, the first match we see is Lanny Poffo versus Horowitz. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, well, first of all, John, we probably wouldn't see this match. We'd probably be stuck in line getting a beer. Uh-huh. That's true. And then, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that definitely, it wasn't he, like, the genius during this time? I think so. He was the genius Lenny Poffo. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so they, you know, just on my review thing, they probably didn't put that, but he was definitely probably the genius during this time. But check out this match. What a what a very interesting match this one is. Coco Beware, he defeated Bob Orton Jr., which is pretty crazy. So, I mean, you know, that's kind of a, like a, I would say a little bit of a styles clash because uh, Bob Orton Jr. is more like the uh, very technical style wrestler. Uh, Coco Beware is probably a little bit more flashy with more of the gimmicks when you see that random bird he came around with all the time. But, uh, of course, Bob Orton Jr. is the uh, dad of Randy Orton. Ran- Randy Orton. So, um, that's weird, though. I would not think he would still be wrestling then. Because wasn't he in the uh, the corner of somebody at WrestleMania 1? Well, he was, but um, he still wrestled after that because he, he was just doing the... I think he was just like the bodyguard during that time. Oh, okay. But he, he, had the, he, he had the cast gimmick for a long time because yes. he was still wrestling up to like... He was basically um, Roddy Piper's like security guard for a long time. Okay, I got you. Yeah. Uh, check, out, check out this random match too. <laughs> <laughs> Butch Reed defeated Superstar Billy Graham. So Superstar Billy Graham has gotten a second dose here on the Retro Blood. And uh, instead of um, Abdullah the Butcher, now he got his ass whipped by Butch Reed. But that would be a great match, though. And that was third on the card? That was third, yeah. Wow. Wow. I mean, that would have been a good match. I mean, Butch Reed's a great wrestler. I mean, his matches are fantastic. and, And, you know, Billy Graham had to be near the end of his career at this point, though. Yeah, it just, 
it's just crazy with this guy because I mean he's rest, he looked like he was like 50 years old. <laughs> All right, this guy he was had to be up there, but he was jacked and everything, and then like he's still pumping today. You know, what I mean he's not wrestling or anything today, but he's still alive and kicking it. Um, yeah, but, but this he had was to be like, in his 40s though. Yeah. So, yeah, he's still 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 doing his thing. Uh, check out this match right here. This is a uh, this is definitely a bathroom break for me. I don't know about you, but you have the honky tonk man. He defeated Brutus the Barber Beefcake. What a match. The honky tonk th- man and the beefcake. I think that match would be better than you think. You think so? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say a lot of bad stuff about honky. But, um, I, you know, uh, you know, Brutus, Brutus the Barber Beefcake was actually, I mean, I was watching some of these Survivor Series matches in preparation for the upcoming Survivor Series pay-per-view, yeah. like some of the old ones. And he's actually pretty good. I mean, he's like leapfrogging over people. And um, and I really thought he was cool when he was the Zodiac in WCW. Yeah. The Z- <laughs> <laughs> what about the Disciple? Those are the most random character he's ever played to me. In my, though I thought. Um, the Disciple. What I think of a Disciple is that biker-looking guy that came out with Hogan. Yeah, that was Brutus Beefcake. No, it's not. It's not? I don't think so. No, I swear they said that was Brutus BK who was the disciple. I don't I don't think so. Okay, we'll have to check we we'll have to check those facts later on. Maybe it's the first first retro blood argument. Yeah, exactly. I swear it was, but we'll we'll come back to it when we do some more research <laughs> on that topic outside of the eighties part and we'll, see if this we'll fucker was the fucking disciple or not. We'll settle this later. But the only thing I remember about Brutus during this this era, besides the the famous um um what is it? Uh, but uh, bar- barber shop he did with Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty was his fucking gear. It looked like a fucking '80s stripper gear. I'm like, this guy had these fucking tights, and they're all like cut up through the whole side. He had the fucking mullet going on. I was like, this guy, this guy definitely this is the Dawkin. All right, he's that guy. Well, well, I mean, his gimmick was that he was literally a barber. I mean, like, what, what, what are you? You know, it was another Vince McMahon job gimmick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like they like you like to do a lot. <laughs> What? Like he was literally a barber. Like, like, <laughs> who thought of that? I mean, like, wh- like, why? Because you know, you gotta cut their competition's hair down or something. Well, yeah, and he's rocking this mullet. Like, he's the one that needs the barber, but uh, whatever. So barber, yeah. the next match is actually a pretty good one too. Uh, two badass tag teams over here. We have the British Bulldogs, Davey Boy Smith, and the Dynamite Kid. Mm-hmm. They defeated Demolition, Axe, and Smash. Viva smash. disqualification. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Of course. But that definitely would have been our barn because, you know, Baby Boy Smith, Dynamite Kid, they definitely lay it in. And then uh, Demolition, uh, they definitely lay it in too. So this definitely would have been like one of the um, really good matches to watch during this card. And they definitely probably got the crowd going too because, I mean, the Dynamite Kid, we know his story. Did, um, John, did you ever watch the uh, Dark Side of the Ring on the Dynamite Kid? No, I'm way behind on that show. I haven't, I haven't watched that episode yet. Okay, I haven't well. watched any of the new ones yet. I don't think either. Well, anybody, I if anybody hasn't seen it, I definitely you know free plug to them. But I definitely anybody should go watch that because it's definitely a very interesting episode about this uh, crazy character, the Dynamite Kid. Because I when I watched it, I didn't really know too much about him. I knew he was in this tag team with the British Bulldog, but some of the the um, stuff he did in Canada, some of the backstory with him, how he hurt his back and everything. You know, what it was like in his personal life is very, very interesting. So everybody check that out. 
Um, it's definitely a very um, interesting story with him. But the the British Bulldogs, if nobody's ever seen them before, they're actually one of the one of the, like, the best tag teams, uh, especially during this era. I thought. And then um, I think Demolition doesn't get a lot of credit. I think we talked about them before on the show too, where like they always got kind of like, hey, these guys are just a bunch of LOD rips off, ripoffs, but they really weren't. They actually were like a really good solid team. So. Yeah, I mean they were they were actually really good. They just didn't. Um, they just should have not looked like Legion of Doom or Road Warriors. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like if they give them a different look, I think that they people wouldn't have thought that, but. But yeah. yeah, that Dynamite Kid, I mean, that would have been a historic match to see because, like, uh, not too long. You didn't get to see Dynamite Kid for too much longer after that, I don't think. And no. he has a really tragic story. And, yeah. And uh, David Boy Smith was also a great wrestler. I saw him wrestle uh, in Charlotte probably in 2000 or 99 or something in that yeah. uh, six-way match. It was the same pay-per-view where they had the Kindle in the Cell match. Oh, you went to that? <laughs> yeah, nice. I, went, I went to that. <laughs> so that's the, was the main event I think that was the uh, the British Bulldogs jean era. There's was a bunch of jeans to the ring. He, yeah, he was wearing jeans that were so tight he couldn't possibly move in them. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him before because I think when I was going to wrestling shows, he was like either in WCW or then when I went to WF shows, he just wasn't on the card. So, But he's definitely like one of my favorites when I just watched him before. He's definitely a, a badass wrestler. For sure. But check this match out. All right. We have Don Morocco. He defeated, I can't believe he defeated my main man over here. He defeated my main man, Hercules, in a, what I like to call a body match. <laughs> Where the biggest things they're yes. doing is showing off their bodies. That's all we care right. about in this match. Who has the bigger trapezes? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then, uh, Apparently, uh, Morocco won that, I guess. Yeah. Well, one, he has the best, biggest trapezes. He has the biggest trapezes. Uh, check the, uh, here's John's favorite wrestler, Ron Bass. He, defe- Ron Bass. he defeated Hillbilly Jim in a Matt Classic, if there ever was one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that would have been my fear break, probably. Although, I, I mean, Ron I wait, the, the problem is with these results, since they're like house shows and stuff, they're like, they just say they defeated. I want to see how they defeated it. Like, only sometimes they say, like, Beaver DQ or something. Like, what did, what did, what did Ron Bass do to defeat him? Like, Jim, did he do a schoolboy? Did he do a fucking roll up like we see nowadays or something? What did, what did he do? Did he do his finishing move? Did he do the bass, the, the bass maker, the bass fish? Or what is it called? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, well, I was going to ask you, what is Ron Bass's finishing move? I don't, I don't so know I'm guessing, if I was guessing, it's either going to be a uh, sidewalk slam or, no, that's Big Boss Man. So he was probably doing the backslide or he was doing the... Backslide? Yeah, the finishing move was the backslide or something. Or But well, he, didn't, he didn't call it the backslide. He called it the, the running bass or the bass man. Uh-huh. We're going to find out in a minute because I'm looking it up right now. I don't think they. I don't think they actually had finish. Like the only people, there's a couple people who had finishers back in this day. Like Randy, Randy Savage had like the elbow. Um, the British Bulldog had the running power slam. Hulk Hogan had his leg drop. You know, uh, Rick Rude had the Rude Awakening. So there's a couple of them, but I don't think a lot of people didn't. They they either ran like run um, one by a clothesline or like a spine buster or like a headlock takedown. You know. Yeah, I don't. Uh, finishing moves. Okay, he has he had three. Oh, okay. All right, and uh, so he he did the inverted suplex slam. Oh, okay. Power move. The skull vice. 
<laughs> and the Texas Gourd Buster. Ooh, the Texas Gourd Buster. If there was a devastating move, that would be it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, so we're midway through the card now, probably. So what's what's Well, actually, we're start? almost done. That was the uh, okay. second to main event. Can you believe that, wow. John? We got a fucking Ron wow. Bass over here in Hillbilly Gym fucking selling the out the Silverdome. <laughs> yeah. So the fucking main event. We have the American man himself, Hulk Hogan, the WWF champion. He defeated the most devastating challenger I think he's ever had before that it couldn't be even be televised. He defeated Killer Khan. Who the fuck wow. is Killer Khan? Killer Khan. I've heard of Killer Khan. Um, I can't say that I've ever really seen him work, though. Is he Killer. a Japanese wrestler? I guess. Like I, like I said, I just pull up this card to see what was happening. I was doing more research about the movie, so I didn't get the research Killer Khan. But if you could bring that up over here, we could see what he's all about. Killer, um, Killer Khan, brother. Yeah, he is a Japanese wrestler. Okay, so this is probably when he was um, doing like a. This might have been when they were working with New Japan. He was. Uh, oh yeah, that guy. Yeah, he made a brief return to the WWF in 1987, managed by Mr. Fuji, of course. Yep. Of course. Uh, where he where he feuded with Outback Jack. So, oh, so who okay. is Outback Jack? Is he a member of the uh, New Zealand uh, militia that we talked about last time? Yes, he's the uh, he's the third <laughs> hidden member. <laughs> okay, it looks like he had a lot of um, matches with Andre the Giant too. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I so I mean, he, you know, he's just not somebody that I'm real familiar with. But I mean, he was, um, you know, he had a big run down in Dallas with at WCCW apparently. Yeah. What's his finish? I guess I was not going to say. Um, well, let's find out. Killer Khan. Maybe he has uh, he has the the claw. Yeah, wrestling fandom is usually pretty good about telling you finishes. His finish. Oh, so you want to guess what what it is? Oh, okay, okay. You so, should be able to guess this. He had like six, which, uh, you, but you should guess at least two of them. Two, okay. So, he said he's from Mongolia, right? So he's like. So this is hold on. This is finishing and signature moves. So they're not all finishers. Okay, but, I don't. Um, so, I don't think he's Japanese. But did he do the mist? Did he do the mist? He did. Oh, okay. He we did. got one. You got one right. Nice. See, you got to get the other one. Okay. His name the, is Ozawa, so he's from Japan. But anyway. So they all, no, that's, oh, God. I want to see the, the Spike, but I don't think, I think that's more like the uh, the Samoan. Uh, What's a good uh, Japanese? Did he do a kick? Did he do like some sort of kick finish? I'm not giving you any hints. Okay. The Inziguri kick. Uh, let's see, Johnny, will we accept that? No, he didn't. That's, no, you lost that one. So his other move. That I, that I thought you'd get. He did the Cobra Clutch. Oh, okay. The Sergeant Sorrow special. One, the one, yes, the one shoulder power bomb. Oh, the one shoulder power bomb. Oh, okay. That's a, that's yeah. a definitely a Japanese maneuver. <laughs> <laughs> the second rope diving knee drop. You know who's the last person to do that that I saw? The one shoulder power bomb was none other than Lord Tenza, uh, Tenzai. Remember him? Yeah, yeah. Albert. <laughs> Albert, yeah. He's like the last person I saw to do that move. Um, well, he's like he dressed a lot in Japan, though. Mm -hmm. um, and then his other move was a thumb chokehold. Ooh, the deadly thumb chokehold. Yeah, so that I, I wonder if uh, Hogan uh, came under the thumb chokehold, or if he just beat Killer Khan and like he probably two kicked out of it. Hogan. 
Fucking just kicked out of that shit. Like, get out of here, boy. Just fucking drop the leg and hit the boot. <laughs> went on, Tell went on there posing, moves, brother. Speak. Do you think Hogan, uh, after he was done, he was like, "Hey, brother. Hey, Con. You want to go see this fucking Prince of Darkness movie, brother?" Oh, I'm absolutely sure that the two of them went to see uh, Prince of Darkness together afterwards. So, who do you think on that card probably would have saw it? Who do you think would have been a horror movie fan? Uh, put my money on Axe and Smash. Yeah, I'm gonna put my money on them too. Like, yeah. even though they they do seem like a bunch of uh country boy beer drinkers, but I could I could if we we're going by straight gimmicks, I could definitely see that uh, Axe and Smash rushing down the theaters afterwards to see Prince of Darkness. See but, Prince uh, of Darkness. So let's get into some of the metal that we're listening yep. to at this October twenty twenty third, nineteen eighty seven. What music are we jamming to the uh? Pontiac Silverdome and checking out Prince of Darkness. So, so th- I'm gonna part- talk about the main music part of this movie. But John, I didn't really find a whole lot during this uh, time frame, October. Not a whole lot of stuff was released during this time, but albums and stuff. But there was one band that there's a band I found that got formed during this era, 1997. And I just for some reason the name like stuck out to me. And I just want to see if you know anything about them. Uh, have you ever heard of Every Mother's Nightmare? Not really. Okay. Because I was checking them out, and they're just basically just another 80s glam band out there and stuff. But, you know, some of their tunes are not that bad. Um, but I just thought their name was pretty funny. Like, just some like, freaking random, random 80s name. They probably have like a one-hit wonder type of thing going on. But... yeah. Yeah, possibly. Or there maybe they're a no-hit wonder. They're well, probably I, still out there playing music somewhere. They're yeah, probably still on tour. Yeah, I, yeah. I think when I saw them, they actually have like a um a CD that was came out in twenty uh, twenty twenty. I was <laughs> like, fuck, man, they're just yeah, exactly. I was like, we got just playing at the local bar. All right, I'm gonna be hitting up the water hole and checking out uh, fucking every mother's nightmare. The fucking sixty year old dudes. It's like, like, who's going to that? It's like, I, I mean, there's probably every Mother's Nightmare fans, I suppose. <laughs> uh, it's like, when when do you become when like when do you become like not the Mother's Nightmare? Like, once you hit 60, 50, what's the age? All right. All right. <laughs> it's like the young yeah, bucks. Yeah. Like, when are they gonna be young when they're fifty? Or like, what's going on here? Right. I mean, they're 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 well into their thirties now. So, like, when, <laughs> when how when are they gonna be the old bucks? They got to be able that that would be the rock and roll express right now, I guess. Well, okay, good point. Touche, but yeah. So, obviously the biggest music reference we can have to this movie is going to be a person who actually was in Prince of Darkness and that's of course the world famous um goth man himself, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, which is obviously a music icon during this time. Um still making music during this time too and he probably he was a very big figure in the 80s too with his oh, yeah. uh, style of music yeah Alice Cooper was just coming back from uh, like I think he had just around this time was coming back definitely back into popularity um, I don't know that he I don't think he'd recorded that album that had Poison and all those songs on it yet but he was starting to come back from like those kind of weird like new wave albums that he made in the early 80s and he was like out of like he was sober and he'd gotten out of rehab or whatever and he was like putting his career back together um 
So interestingly enough, so I don't know if you saw this or not, found this or not, but um, so the reason Alice Cooper's in this movie and did a song for it was because um, John Carpenter met him at WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. And um, oh, asked wow. him to be uh, to be part of this movie, which is, brings us back to our wrestling reference. Nice. But yeah, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of that Prince of Darkness song. It, it, but you know, it's not it, that bad. It's not. It's not terrible. Yeah, we'll put. It's, we'll, it's, we'll go ahead. It's not as good as Man Behind the Mask that he would yeah. do for uh, Friday the Thirteenth. But yeah. Oh, nice. I didn't think it was that bad. I listened to it um, today, kind of getting a feel for it and everything. Because um, he he released the Prince of Darkness uh, compilation album uh, two years after uh, this yeah. movie came out. And he had that Prince of Darkness song on there. So I'll play it at the end of the show and see what people think. I'll probably post like a video to the Facebook group too. Um, maybe, maybe we'll post some killer con matches or something if I can find them. <laughs> we can find any. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, uh, Alice Cooper, he's, he's pretty cool. I could see me back in the day in the Trans Am. I got my freaking uh, tape collection over here my eight tracks over here and i'm rocking down i'm like kind of thinking okay it's october time you know i'm checking out this wrestling match and going to the show who's a good person to play around october time oh well we got alice cooper over here so i pop i pop him in and uh give him give him a good old listen to we're so. on our way to the uh, silver dome and it would be cassettes, not eight tracks, but yeah, eight, eight, we would be in cassettes at this point. I think I always I get, I think, I get what you're meaning. <laughs> I think I always say eight tracks for some reason, but I, yeah, you do. Yes, you get to do confused, but that's okay. <laughs> I just want it to be eight tracks, man. That's my that's my gimmick. <laughs> there, and there is one other thing, uh-huh. one other music thing that we have to talk about. I'll go ahead. Um, so our always reliable, our boy. King Diamond. Oh, he's back. <laughs> Every episode, brother. Every episode, King Diamond releases an album. <laughs> this guy um, is everywhere, man. Everywhere. But he released Abigail, one of the best albums that he made, mm-hmm. like two days before this that that uh, this movie came out. Wow. So we would definitely be rocking Abigail and Alice Cooper in the Trans Am on the way to Pontiac to see the WWF and Prince Darkness. Yeah. And just think about it, like, so far this year, in the Retro Blood universe, we have done, we've seen some pretty good movies and some good wrestling during this year. So 1987 was a pretty good year so far for us, because we already had the Dream Warriors, which we both agreed that we liked. Yeah. And now we have this movie, Prince of Darkness, that we both agreed that we liked as well, too. So, yeah. and we have a bunch of badass albums that came out, like Abigail, um, and then a couple other ones we talked about too. So this is definitely a very fun year to to revisit here in the retro land. So, but yeah, are you ready, John? Are you ready to go into the green water goo of matter to see science and religion mixed together in a universe full of craziness that's going to happen in 1999? Are you ready? Absolutely. Year one nine nine nine, as they say. Yes. As they say. Let's get into it. Let's get into the Prince of Darkness. Anyone in close proximity has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. A life form 
is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? All right, so we're here, and we're starting off. So the first thing I noticed, like just popping this thing in and watching this movie was, this song is like really cool that they have in the background. So the music in this like film, like it just, that's like a John Carpenter like mainstay. His music is always great, no matter like which movie you're watching. And he does. Yeah, well, he does a lot of his own music. Yeah. Yeah, and I I heard... He's making some records now that are really good. Like, he's making some, like, albums that are, like, soundtracks for for movies that aren't... Like, there's no movies for them, but they sound like movie soundtracks. Yeah. um, That are really, really good. Yeah, so he does a lot of his own music. He worked with Alan Alworth on this one. Nice. Yeah, and I heard, like, most of the time when he makes the music, too, he kind of just, um, I guess, watches some of his work, his his production, kind of just feels it. It feels like what would go good with it. So, that's something I noticed, like, right away... Uh, with this, because it's a really cool song that plays. Maybe I'll be playing it during some of our reviews just to get some of the audience a little bit more of the the feel for it. Uh, but this is like a very long intro for this movie, so we're kind of meeting a lot of the cast. So we see first we see some priest who is in his bed. He has a box and is holding a box, and obviously we can see that this priest is about to pass away. So the nurse yep. comes in here, and then eventually the the priest passes away, and this is when we get. Donald Pleasant, we got we got our boy Donald Pleasant, the priest. Yes, Loomis is here. Loomis he, is here. He's here. He's a priest now. And now, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, okay, so if I, because I never seen this movie until we watched it now. So I was like, oh shit, this is Donald Pleasant, he's in this movie. I was like, what the fuck's Loomis doing in here? And I was like, maybe this is like in the same time, because it's like John Carpenter's film, you know, because obviously he did Halloween too. And in my head, I was thinking, okay. So this is either going to be Loomis's side job that he does as a priest, or this could be Loomis's brother. You know what I mean? So we have Loomis's twin brother. His twin brother is yeah. a priest, where the other Loomis is a a doctor who takes care of psychos. So, but we see him, and then um, he grabs the after the priest passed away, he got the box, and we find out this box has a key in it. And this this is when we meet some of the crew now. So. A little tougher reviews, but there's a lot of cast in this movie. So let's see if we can get everybody everybody down. So the main the main one of the main characters in this was um Brian Marsh. He was the dude with the freaking stash, the blonde stash, the freaking blonde hair. He kind of looked like my dad, to be honest with you. And he he was one of the main characters, and he's creeping on the um the one of the main girls, Catherine. The Catherine was the girl with the red hair. 
And when we first he, see them, oh, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, yeah, he's uh, played by Jamison Parker. So they're who was uh, in Simon and Simon at the time, but yeah. So they're in a. So this is still in the intro. So there's a yep. lot of there's a lot of intro. So this intro is pretty crazy. So like yeah. they're all they're all going to a university together, and they're taking like a quantum physics course, which is being taught by Victor Wong, um, yes. Professor Barack. Barack, yeah, played, played by Victor Wong. Who was Egg Chin previously in John Carpenter's Little, Big Trouble in Little China? Yes, which apparently didn't do that well. That's no, it didn't do that well either. <laughs> yeah, because like, neither did the thing. Neither did the thing. Yeah, but, you know. And like I said, a lot of it's crazy with a lot of like we said earlier. <clears throat> it's very crazy with a lot of John Carpenter's films where at the time when they got released, they didn't do that well. But then over time, they became very cult classics and everything. So, yeah, a lot of them were ahead of their time for sure. Yeah, but go on. Um, and then, uh, but yeah, so basically they're going into a, they're, <laughs> so it's kind of funny because like when you watch this, like, as opposed to the last movie that we, we reviewed, this movie actually did have a script when yes. they made it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, it did. And, <laughs> and, light, uh, light years difference. <laughs> light years difference. And it's almost like, like John Carpenter, like got high and read a book about quantum physics and then tried to stick all the quantum physics he could into this intro. Well, John, he did. Well, he did, right? He probably, he probably did. Yeah in, 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 yeah, in interviews, that's how he came up with the, the story, he read a lot of those books, and he probably was high during the time, and he wanted to see how to mix quantum physics with religion. Right. And then she's talking to to, to uh, Brian Marsh about uh, Schrodinger's cat, where she's trying to explain Schrodinger, the concept of Schrodinger's cat to him, and he's not understanding. And then, uh, but this, but you know, and then, and then we go to the, uh, um, then the intro, we have Victor Wong saying, um, a lot of heavy stuff that gets us started. So, you know, this movie starts off basically with, um, you know, with him saying, uh, I think he says something like say goodbye to classical reality because our reality collapses on a subatomic level into ghosts and shadows. I mean, that's like yep. in the first five minutes. I know this shit. This shit's heavy. Like when I was in for a heavy ride. <laughs> so basically, during this time, I could not be tired watching this movie or high because I'd be like, "What's this motherfucker saying?" <laughs> this ain't this yeah. ain't this ain't fucking uh, one of those like party eighties movies. This one you got to think about. All right? You got to think about. I, I got to you got to think about. But I think that if you if you were like if you like were high, like if you smoked a little bit, like yeah. I think that you'd get a lot more out of this movie. At least the beginning. Now at the end of it, you'd probably be pretty freaking freaked out. But yeah, you'd be definitely freaked out. <clears throat> so after after all this, we're meeting some of the characters. Um, we find out that there's a whole class that um, that uh, Victor Wong is teaching. Uh, how do you say his last name? Uh, of the character. Yeah. I think it's Barack. Barack, Professor yeah. Barack. Professor Barack. He's teaching his whole class. And then we see Fr- Professor Barack. And so Donald Pleasant didn't really have a character name, so he's just the priest. So he when we say priest, priest, that's what we're mentioning. Right. So they're they're doing a discussion, and um, the priest is saying, hey, I got this weird thing to show you that the, that the Catholic Church was hidden for this uh, thousand years. Can you come check it out? <laughs> so he invites... Uh, Barack down there to, to check out this like very like gothic look looking dungeon area where they're keeping like this green water ooze and right. with the so like that's a Latin book it, right in a, in a gothic dungeon that's where you would keep this yeah you keep it this under stuff. a random uh, church all right 
and it was under just lock and key for all those years. For all you know? those years, yeah. Yeah, so like, you know, if anything happened, like a hurricane or anything, don't worry about it. It's still there. Or an earthquake because they're in Los Angeles. But, you know, there's probably nothing important in this in this uh, big green ooze jar, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it's just there. It's just, <laughs> it's just some green uh, food coloring. It'd be all right. It's fine. So during this whole thing to the priest, like he is acting it up. Like he, I thought Donald Place actually did a really good job. Has like a priest. He actually was like a very believable priest to me. But oh, like every second, every second he was all like, did you feel that? Something moved in this room. <laughs> did you did you feel that? Did, I think it got cold. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you see there's one scene where he says, didn't it just get colder in here? Yeah, didn't it just get colder? And then like, and then he's there, he's in the room showing uh, uh, Barack the thing. It's like, do you feel that? Do you feel like the level's changing? <laughs> I was like, well, no, I don't feel nothing, man. I just always <laughs> see some fucking green ooze over here, okay? <laughs> So <laughs> their big plan is uh, the doctor wants to gather up his team or his students to do some yeah. research because they yes. want to and they want to use science to encrypt what this actual substance is. And they need um, and also to an interpreter to read this Latin Necronomicon book that they have. Right. So this is when he comes in and he tells this team. This is when we meet a lot of the characters. Uh, my favorite character being... Um, Walter, the Asian guy. He was pretty cool. Yeah, Victor Wong, yeah. So he uh, meet, Professor yeah. Barack. Yeah. Well, no, no, the other guy, Walter, the uh, Oh, the, that guy, Walter. Yeah. yeah, Walter's great. Yeah, the uh the yeah. comic <laughs> relief of the show. Uh him and so him and Kelly, they were pretty pretty close. They were kind of like on the same wing. They're kind of like they 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 didn't know. So basically the uh the Brock he said, Hey everybody, I need you guys here on this certain day of the weekend. We're gonna go to this church. We have to do this experiment. You all have to be there or else you're all getting F's or something like that. He didn't really say that, but it, it made it mandatory that everybody show up. And so, you know, the Walter and Kelly, like he had like plans and stuff, so he didn't want to go, but they all agreed to go. Um this is also to um uh, Brian's in the class and Catherine. And so during this time too, so like I was kind of saying earlier, Brian at the beginning, he was like creeping on this Catherine girl hard. Like he would just like fucking, I thought he was going to be like stalking this girl the whole movie. But next thing I know, a couple scenes later in the intro, he just starts talking to her. And he, he was like doing some like introduction of himself. And he's like, she girl knew who she, he was cause they're in the same class. And then he was like trying to like spit some game, but he's like, I guess his game offended her because it was like sexist or or something. And then he's like, hey, well, let's just start over again. And then like this guy, like he got this girl easy. He was just like spitting some of this game, no problem. And then next thing I know, they fell in love. I was like, okay. So, so we got a relationship basically with the two. I was about to say, yeah, it did happen pretty quick, but there's a lot to get in in this movie, so you can't spend a lot of time on that. Yes, but I just wanted to point out that you know this big part of the movie is like they both they they created a relationship with each other. So let's get into like where. So basically, after this, they all get down to the church area. This is everybody's getting prepared. This is where we meet some more characters. Like we meet like this tech guy. His name is Mullins. Uh, We meet um, another doctor who comes in there. So I guess oversee. Uh, what's happening with everything? We meet some of the technicians during this time, a guy named, guy named Frank. Yeah. We also meet Wilson as well too. So we're kind of getting the whole cast together. Uh, we're seeing a lot of interactions with different people. And then the problem is during this time too, 
the Dr. Brock was like keeping everybody in, in the dark about what was going on over here. He just wanted everybody to set up all their equipment at the church and to get everything ready during this time. Um, and then during this, he eventually um, goes over and starts um, showing some people the whole setup with the green ooze. So I think the first pe people to see the green ooze was Kelly and Mullins because they were setting up all the equipment in that downstairs room. And they couldn't really tell what this green ooze was. Uh, but it was like kind of catching a lot of Kelly's eye during this whole time as well. And then right. during this, uh, we have a meeting. And we're, we're, we're kind of going. So Catherine is debunking the, um, the green ooze um, essence in her computer, her 1987 computer, and doing code. Like so, getting like a lot of code to the <laughs> the, the frequency and everything during this time, yes. and then yeah. we have uh, Lisa. She is the interpreter who is seeing what this thing is saying or or what the what the uh, book is saying, and the book is saying all kind of crazy stuff. Like, you guys are not safe. I'm the devil. Uh, shit's going down. You know, I didn't write down everything that the thing said, but it was saying some crazy stuff like the fall of man is happening, stuff like that. Right. And it was in Latin, right? Yeah, it was in Latin, but she was on the computer interpreting into English. So, you know, she can read it out to everybody. But it was weird, though, because she was just reading like, oh, okay, well, oh, okay, the fall, man, oh, that's kind of weird. Oh, okay, I'm the Satan. Okay, that's kind of weird, but I'm going to keep going. All right. And But the priest could read Latin, though, apparently. No, I don't think Which he could. Which I thought was like a, like part of like a tr the training a priest gets is to learn Latin, but maybe not. Maybe they don't. Maybe they can't read it. Maybe they just like maybe learn it. enough to do mass and stuff in Latin. Yeah. So we got our first uh, victim of the green slime water ooze of matter. It's going to be our girl Susan, the radiologist Susan. I like that's how like her like that's how she's known the Susan. I'm Susan, the radiologist. I'm here. Yeah, yeah, which makes the funny part coming up in a few minutes. <laughs> yes. So she gets there. She's looking at the thing. She's like kind of possessed by it, kind of like staring at it, and then boom, it vomits right on her. I'm like, oh man, this thing ain't playing around. It's just like fuck it. I'm just boom right on you. And this is also too during this time where right when that's happening, we have like a big group meeting, and this is when. Uh, uh, Brock kind of breaks it down. This is when the priest breaks it down, what they're doing and why they're doing it. So uh, I'll explain it and, and let's make sure I got it. And then John, you can you can uh, chime in too. So right. this thing is basically evil incarnate. It's it's a evil substance that is alive, but it doesn't have a body shape. It's just like matter, and this matter mm -hmm. is supposed to be in the what they're doing it's like a it's like a it's like a satan or like a, a form of satan and mm -hmm. it is trying to escape to bring from the other world the uh anti-god into this other world because its main purpose is to bring uh destruction to this world and beforehand we had a message from christ and god and stuff warning us that this creature was like this, but the Christ and God was like an alien-like substance. Did I get all that right? Yeah, so... <laughs> so basically... <laughs> bro, I, bro, if I was high, I would be like, what the right? hell's going on over here, brother? 
I just saw so fucking I, I just saw fucking Killer Khan and Hulk Hogan <laughs> drop the leg. What the fuck are these guys talking about? <laughs> so yeah, so basically that group that that's in that monastery in, in the church, they're called the Brotherhood of Sleep. Yes. Um, which is the best name I've ever heard of for a stoner rock band. That ever. is a good name. That is yeah, that would Brotherhood be Brotherhood of Sleep. That would be a fantastic stoner rock band name. But um so and they're uh, they're yeah and then they have they for i guess for thousands of years for a long long time centuries thousands of years whatever they've had this tube or this big glass tube with green like goo in it which is like a disembodied satan character he's like satan in a goo in this bottle this giant tube mm-hmm. and it's kind of like antimatter and then he's satan is descended satan in this bottle is descended from the anti-god who is, you know, like, like I guess he's antimatter to God's matter. And then Jace, uh, Jason, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> wrong, wrong movie. That's it. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> Jesus is, a, is, is an alien. He's a space traveler that, that, um, yeah. So basically Jesus is a space traveler yes. um, and he comes to earth to warn people about this vessel, but then he gets executed. Yeah, sounds about right. It, 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 that, I think that's about what I got out of it, yeah. And also, too, we didn't mention, we have a bunch of crazy homeless people outside. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the homeless people. Led, uh, led by Alice Cooper. Led by Alice Cooper. So Alice Cooper yeah. is the king of the creepy homeless people that are around this church. That This church was apparently, um, I guess it was some of the waves from their church were infecting some of the homeless around there to guard the church and everybody kept looking out like oh there's some weird homeless people out here yeah this is california i guess so during this time um this is when it gets a little bit more interactions with the group so a lot of them don't really know what to think during this time they they're not really sure like how to process this in their head with a couple of the characters um but you know they're they're agreeing to do some of the job too said we're having a lot of back and forth with the characters um we have walter over here uh trying to hit on some of the girls a little bit in his own way and yeah a lot of these characters are actually seem like they're just in the movie to get killed yeah a couple of them there's, yeah. th- there's really only like four <laughs> or five characters that really do anything yes yes you're right and then uh during this time as well too so eventually brian comes up to the doctor uh, Dr. Dr. Brackens is saying like, hey, like I'm doing some more research on this thing and by the waves and stuff that I'm researching, this thing could probably do mind control. Like it has that ability to do mind control and it, it apparently it's alive too. And the doctor's kind of playing it off like, okay, yeah, just don't tell anybody that. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, we're gonna, we're gonna keep that as a secret right now. All right. And so we get a little bit more interactions and stuff. And then during this time, Brian and all stuff, they're trying to like wondering where two of the missing Kelly and uh, Mullins are at. So he's trying to like look around for them. Uh, we get a, And then during this time too, we also start seeing the first of the uh, dream that everybody keeps having. Well, a couple people start having of like a old, it kind of like it's an old radio transmission. And you see the church. I'm pretty sure it's the same church they're at. And we see yeah. a little like ghostly figure in the back, and it kept Coming saying, out of the door. "Yeah, it kept saying something about like your technology has evolved, and this is why you're getting this message." 
<laughs> it is funny too when we when we go back and see the date that they were saying and they're saying technology yeah. evolved during that time which is pretty funny so we get um wilson he's outside wilson and, uh uh windham windham that's well, oh fucking windham yeah it's windham you, you, you but talk, it's close. you were close Talk about Bray Wyatt's in this freaking movie. He didn't look like exactly. no Bray. Yeah, exactly. That's that's what he that's what he did before he was in uh in uh in the WWE. Well, I guess technically this guy he'd be IRS. Maybe he's IRS's um <laughs> brother or something. <laughs> well, but, that's a deep cut. So yeah. not only do people have to follow wrestling to get that, but they have to know that Bray Wyatt's real name is uh, Wyndham. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm all full of Easter eggs, you know. So we don't only have Easter eggs on these movies; we have Easter eggs on our show as well, too. But exactly. uh, we Wyndham, should, we should just tell uh, <laughs> we should just tell private jokes that nobody gets but us the entire time. You never know; we might have a couple wrestling fans on here. You know what I mean? That might escape the '80s era. But anyway, so our boy Wyndham, he's out there. He's the one that said "caca" about everything. So he's right. not feeling he's not feeling this experiment. And why he's writing outside to to ponder if he's going to be going back inside or leaving, we have a bunch of homeless people kind of surround him. And he's kind of like looking around like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then I guess he's like looking down or something. And this freaking old homeless lady just runs up to him with some sort of like knife. And it's a really cool they did it. They kind of like, they kind of did like followed her hand with the knife. It kind of reminded me of something you would see on Psycho. And she just fucking comes up to this guy and stabs him. And then so- when she... Go ahead. I was gonna say so. It's so. Let me stop you here. So this is actually really interesting. So there's something I know about this movie, and I am no filmmaker. You're the filmmaker of 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 this of this little group here. So maybe you can explain to me why they did this. Uh-huh. So the way that move that shot was filmed was so the scene where she's running along the brick wall with the knife. Yeah. She's not moving. She's standing in one solitary spot, and they had. I'm I'm not kidding. This is how I understand that this shot was was made. They had a truck with bricks on it move behind her Mm. like why would you like that seems way more complicated than just having a stunt person run with a knife well the only reason i could see that they did that is to keep the knife and focus more oh good point so that's the only reason i could see them doing that because i did something similar like that in one of the films i did where i had um a knife that was like very shiny and mm-hmm. I was uh, uh, stabbing somebody in the woods. Um, and it, it, what I did was I was going very slowly with it. and But I made sure all the background was like very dark and then a light on the knife. So you could just see like a bright knife go into somebody. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of different ways to do like knife thing. But that one is probably just because they wanted you to focus more on like the actual weapon itself than like it's like being very blurry. So you can't really like mm, tell what okay. it is. Oh, but, well, see, we learn something every day. There you go, guys. There you go. And it could, that probably just kind of reminds me of something they did in Psycho. But anyway, she like stabs fucking Wyndham in the gut and stuff. And then a bunch of like beetles come out of him. And he's yes. getting like surrounded by a bunch of beetles. And this is when we see Susan. She is now a possessed lord of Satan. And she is overseeing all this action happening. What's going on, everybody? This is James Klein from the Retro Blood Podcast. I'm just taking this quick time out to let everybody know about the brand new Retro Blood Facebook group page. We have exclusive videos on the Facebook page. 
videos pertaining to each episode of the podcast that we do and some special videos from James Klein himself from his YouTube channel, Makeshift Kings. So come join us on the Facebook page and check out the Retro Blood on Podbeam, Stitcher, Apple, and all your listening devices. Now let's get back to the show. So during this, this is when we get Brian. He is... Um, doesn't really know where Susan or Mons has went, so he's just trying to trying to go look for them. And we get a couple more character interactions, like we see um, uh, Catherine. She's just going over more of her her duties, um, and her and Kelly are kind of interacting a little bit, and they both feel a little uneasy about the job that they're doing, but they're doing it anyway. And she asked him, like, hey, have you gotten any kind of sleep yet? And she's like, no, I got to finish this stuff. And this is when we see Kelly with a little burn mark on her did you see how she got it or she just like had it um i don't remember how she got it but i assume that she got it somehow by being too close to the little to the big vial of ooze yeah um but that mark though is the uh i'll see if i can send it to you real quick it's actually the uh blue oyster cold symbol oh well there you go for the band for the band blue oyster cold so what you're telling me so what you're telling me allison is blue oyster cold is some some sort of uh, band who worships Satan in his gr- uh, green um, water form. Basically, yes. Okay, that makes sense. Or maybe okay. Blue Oyster Cold is is maybe they're the anti god. Oh yes, maybe maybe we're they're... not at the end. Of... Maybe they show up and they're the anti god. Maybe what maybe what happened was Blue Oyster Cold. They played with Alice Cooper one day, and Alice Cooper actually trans. He uh, spitted out some of the green Satan as that was uh, it went on to them. No, am maybe. I pushing it? Okay, maybe. Anyway, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so we get um, a little bit more interaction. So Kelly's getting a little tired. She's about to be going to sleep, and during this time, um, a lot of the crew, um, they're kind of wondering where some of the other crew men. They're wondering where Wyndham went. They're wondering where Kelly, uh, Susan went. They're wondering where yeah. um, Mullins went, and they're kind of like. They're kind of like saying, like, hey, this Wyndham guy on here, he got scared off and he's leaving. And yeah, they said Wyndham left. Yes. So they're kind of like, they're kind of realizing, like, hey, you know, a lot of these people are leaving and stuff. And, you know, some people want to do this experiment still. Some people don't. So they're all kind of like, kind of like getting together. So they're kind of thinking about having like a group meeting together um, to, to mm-hmm. kind of figure out the plans to go from here. Uh, and then during this time, this we get more interaction with the priest and and the Beric. They're co- talking about you know, uh, life forms itself, and this is when we start seeing more of that dream happen during this time. Uh, and every time we see the dream, we get a little bit more interaction with the dream. Yeah, it goes a little longer. Yes. So and it says it's transmitting from the year one nine nine nine. Yes. So we see our boy, boy Walter. He's walking around, and this guy just cracking jokes everywhere. He's just—he's kind of like the life of the party guy. He's like the guy that has the most personality. Everybody's kind of serious in this movie, but he is the one that's not that serious. Um, you know, he's talking to—he uh, sees Susan in the hallway. He's kind of tracking some jokes around her too, and she obviously she's possessed, so she doesn't pay attention. He gets a little weirded out. He talks to Lisa, said that she almost looks Asian. <laughs> <laughs> Which yeah. I'm trying to understand that because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that the character the lady that plays Lisa is Asian. So That's what I thought really too. Sure. And, like, and he was throwing me off. Also Asian, but I'm not really sure what that line is supposed to mean. I don't know what it's supposed to mean. He's throwing me off with that one. I was like, okay. 
And the next thing we go, uh, and this thing we go, we actually get, this is when we get Mullins before he got his neck twisted saying, hey, where is, um, where is Susan? And he's like, I don't know. I saw her in the hallway. And then we get more of that interaction. So also during this well, time, oh, go ahead. Well, as I say, first we get the scene in the meeting, right? Where they, where they're asking where Susan is. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, who? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, who? And he's like the radiologist with glasses. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and then Mark goes to wake up Walter and he's like, um because Walter's having the dream. Yeah. And he goes to wake up Walter and he's like, Have you seen Susan? And Walter's like, Who? He's like the radiologist with glasses. Like nobody knows who any of these other people are. Yeah, they're just there. They're just there. <laughs> so yeah, that's awesome when he goes to sleep. Um and then during this time, we're just getting a little bit more. So we also have this other doctor guy, um, Doctor Paul, which he like he's like a big whistler kind of guy, and he is just kind of around there. And he's, I, I'm not really sure what his role was during this time, but he was just talking to uh, Brian and everything about some of the experiments happening. So there's a lot of like different scenes where everybody's kind of like getting along to talking about like how this experiment's happening and what's going on. Uh, but the main the main gist is like when Walter Walk Walter when he when he uh, wakes up and stuff we're about to have like this group meeting, and Kelly is actually getting a little tired, uh, probably because she has like the random that symbol uh, burnt onto her, so she wants to take a little fifteen minute nap. Right. And then during this time, uh, she's about to take her nap, and then uh, Calder he comes in like, hey. Uh, we're about to have this meeting uh, to to figure out what we're going to be doing our next steps over here and and trying to kind of beat everybody's uh, uneasiness about this project. She's like, "Oh, just give me fifteen minutes." All right. So we get down to this meeting, and this is the meeting base. They're just going over, um, you know, everybody who's left, um, some more about this project they're doing. Uh, they're talking a little bit more about this substance and what it does so brian kind of breaks it to everybody like hey this thing has like mind control it's kind of like a like a it's trying to like form into something um it's trying to like take things over during this time and before uh uh, lisa can come to the meeting this is when we get the interaction with susan and lisa in there and then susan turns lisa into one of the walking creatures Yep, the Satan possessed. Yes, and the way, every, and this is all happening while uh, getting vomited on. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how you that's how you turn somebody. And, yeah, they vomit in their face. Yes. So, since this happens um, during the meeting, a lot of the um, technology during this time starts messing up a little bit. So the ooze is starting to come out more, and and then since Lisa and and they're not working on anything, the they notice a little bit of malfunctions happening during this time when they're doing their meeting. So they all kind of um, disperse a little bit. And of course, the priest during this time is kind of feeling like, he's like, do you feel that? Do you feel that? Do you feel that in the air? <laughs> Something has changed. Something has changed over here. So they all they all do that. And then during this time, um, <clears throat> Calder, he's walking around trying to find everybody and he eventually runs into Lisa. He's trying to talk to Lisa normal. And then Susan comes up behind him and he gets pushed down. And then at first I thought this guy was like, okay, I got these two 80s girls pushing me down. This is a horror movie. Am I going to get lucky? And he kind of does. He gets a kiss of death from Susan. Yeah. And this is when we get... So actually, you know, to talk about this Calder character 
when he got possessed, I thought he was like the creepiest one out of all of them. Oh yeah, where he's like kind of like laughing and crying at yeah. the same time and like singing Amazing Grace. Yeah. Yeah. So like we see him like next after we find out he got possessed and he's coming up the stairs. And like I said, during this whole thing, everybody's kind of scrambling, trying to find everybody and seeing what's going on with their with their project. And we just see um, Calder up there, like singing everything, and he just fucking uh, stabs him in the throat. And yep, stabs himself in the throat. Yeah, didn't everybody? Yeah, exactly. And then um, one thing we didn't mention too, there was one um, employee. I didn't really get his name. I don't think he got a name, but just like one of those tech nerds. He got freaked out about all this uh, assignment happening, and he ran out, and he ran into Alice Cooper's uh, deadly weapons outside, mm-hmm. and he got stabbed to death. And apparently, the cross-like figure that he was running up to and the thing that he got stabbed with were both Alice Cooper objects from one of his tours. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we did miss one thing, though. So Lisa, after Lisa gets possessed... She goes back to her workstation and she's typing really fast again. Yep. And that's when Calder sees her, right? So yep. Calder sees her and he's like, he's like, Lisa, Mona Lisa, are you okay? And she's like, um, she does a response. He walks over there and she's typing, I live over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she says, she types, you will not be saved by the Holy Ghost. And then she types, you will not be saved by the God Plutonium. Mm-hmm. And then she types, in fact, you will not be saved. And then she, that's when she uh, converts uh, Calder. Yes. And then during this whole time, we we get a lot of those texts that uh, Allison was saying, too. And that's what's kind of freaking everybody out as well. As, and then th- they also see another scene where they all look out the window um, and then they see uh, Wyndham. And he's out there saying, uh, I got some news and you're not going to like it. Yeah. And then he just falls apart like his, his like his head falls off, his arms fall off. He said something right before that, too. Did you catch it? Uh, I can't remember exactly what he says. Yeah, it was kind of like a really quick thing. He said it <clears throat> probably just like you're not going to like what you see. And then right. he all just falls apart and turns into a bunch of bugs. So they all kind of freak out about right. there. And then they, they do freak out. Brian especially freaks out. He tries to break out and he goes um, breaks out through the window and it goes down. But then when he broke um, out of the, out of the uh, church, and he's on the floor. All the homeless people try to gather him and try to catch him. And then he just comes back up. So we, we have it where they can't escape right now uh, because they are surrounded by homeless people who are possessed and they got a couple people who are um, possessed inside as well. Yeah. It's the good old base under siege story. Basically they're trapped in this thing kind of like uh, assault on precinct 13. Uh, one of John Carpenter's other movies. So they're basically the plot contrivances. This is how they're, this is why they don't leave because they're trapped inside this monastery or this church um, by these homeless people who've barricaded them in. Yep. Um, and then, so basically, where we're at now is that there. The whole idea of this is that what the feeling that you're getting out of this is that there's this impending doom that's getting closer and closer and closer and closer. Yes, and it keeps um, uh, possessing people as it goes. So we get um, uh, Walter, and he is. Um, kind of during this time, he gets kind of surrounded by uh, Susan and Lisa. And he's figuring out, like, oh, crap, like, there's something wrong going over here. And he eventually gets trapped into a room uh, before he gets attacked by everybody. And then, Yeah, he's, like, in a closet. Yeah, it's, like, stuck in a closet. And then we also see that the same room that he gets um, stuck in, um, our girl Kelly 
who was sleeping earlier is on there and we get like a really crazy scene of like susan like slowly crawling onto kelly and kelly's just like okay this is just happening and then um she's right about to look like she's about to kiss her but then we just get the ooze like coming forming right into her right and there's a bunch of ooze too um and this is also too um so well, Walter, he also, when he's in that room, he sees the goo is all there. Like it's all, uh, pretty much all of it is getting formed into Kelly during this time. And then yeah, he's stuck in the closet. The yeah, and then he can kind of it's, see it's the- pulling on the ceiling, yeah. It's pulling on the ceiling. He can kind of see the whole transformation. So pretty much for some reason, I guess because um, Kelly had the mark on her, that is the full host that this um, evil Satan creature- is forming into and then during this we get a little bit more um attacking so uh uh, caleb um, calder wakes up and then we also have the uh doctor he eventually gets possessed as well too during this time we have a couple fight scenes between brian and uh, the doctor and calder too and this is when everybody kind of spurts out a little bit. The priest goes into his own little secret hiding area. And we have uh, Brian. Uh, we got um, uh, Catherine. And we got uh, Frank uh, in the, this little like room as well, too. Trying to like um, stay away from the, uh, the, the, the ooze-spitting demons during this time. Um, and then this is when we get the uh, Calder when he's very like creepy. He was like walking around laughing, and he eventually goes into the same room as Priest, and you could see him most of the time. He's just laughing at the mirror. So at the time, I was like, "Why the fuck is this guy ma- um, laughing at the mirror?" But it does um, make sense a little bit later on in the film of why he was like touching the mirror and trying to like laughing at it and just being all kind of crazy with it. I thought I thought that scene was actually pretty crazy and kind of creepy yeah. with him just yeah, like that was really cool. and he did it the, the actor who played him did a really good job of just being like just like really disturbing type of creepy so I thought he did a really mm-hmm. good job with that and then yeah, of course that was really good yeah the priest guy was in there like oh crap <laughs> I'm gonna read this bible and uh so during this too uh, we find out that the the crew, um, Brian, Catherine, and Frank, they found that um, Walter was like right beside him in the wall, and Walter is basically saying like, "Hey, you know, I'm stuck in this closet. Can you guys help me out?" So they're trying to figure out how to help them out, but they're kind of surrounded. They got like demons outside that could possess them. Then they got homeless people um, down at the bottom. So eventually, um, Catherine finds out, "Hey, if I if I break this wall, we might be able to get you in a couple hours." And then you know, Walter's staying in there. He looks around. He kind of sees that um, Lisa and Sus- uh, Susan are still there, possessed. But then he sees like Kelly. Like it looks like she has like a a big lump, like a big baby in her, and her skin mm-hmm. is like uh, slowly forming into a burnt victim. Oh, I guess. <laughs> I guess, I guess she's all like, yeah, her skin's all getting all crackly and messed up, and yeah. she has like a big lump, kind of where her stomach is, which is probably the ooze. Yes, we're thinking the, the ooze is taking her over. And they're trying to break him out of this room during this time. And so Kelly eventually wakes up and she is turning into like an evil. She's you could tell right now that she is turning into like the host. Like she is like the, the demon itself now. She is the used demon because she sicks uh or she she summons that Lisa and Susan 
open that door where Walter's in so we can turn him. So we got the crew over here trying to break Walter through the door. And we got Walter freaking out. And we got Lisa and Susan trying to break through the door. And then during this, we see that um, Kelly, the super Satan green demon that that is our burnt victim with burnt all around her body, but her hair is still perfectly fine. No problem. Mm-hmm. Um, is trying to, she finds like a little pocket uh, makeup mirror and she's doing something weird with the mirror. She's trying to force her hand to go through it like a liquid substance and trying to maybe pull out something, but the mirror is too small. So she wasn't able to succeed in that. So we got a little hint of what this character is trying to do. Yep, so the mirror is important. So the mirrors are important during this time. So eventually they break the wall before the demons could come in there and Walter escapes out of there. And then during this time, they got to figure out, like, they're all together. They got those demons there. They got to figure out how to um, escape this room with not getting possessed during this time. And then during this time, Kelly, she is kind of, like, wandering around and eventually goes into the same room that um, the um, uh, Calder was in and the priest is in. And she's basically looking at this mirror. And... Everybody kind of says, like, okay, well, we're kind of stuck in here. We kind of need to, uh, like, get out of here somehow. So we have to fight our way through. That's what they're kind of doing, fighting their way through during this time. So right. when, they, when they when they first escaped the room, uh, it was um, Mullins was the first one to attack him. So they actually brought him down and took him out of the way. And then later on, we got them trying to uh, fight off the doctor, Dr. Dr. Paul again, too. And then this is when we get a very, very cool scene, I would say. We get Kelly going very slowly to the mirror. And this is all a like... A much larger mirror. much larger mirror. Yeah. And, you know, this is like... like uh, and then during this movie, too, like I was saying, this is, movie does not stop with its soundtrack. Like, every, like, almost every scene has like a really cool like sound to it. Like, there wasn't a lot of like quiet moments in this movie. There was always like a cool, like creepy sound going on. I thought this one was a really cool, like... Um, sound part to it as well and we see she kind of like forms this mirror she's grabbing her hand and we see her pull out like a claw yeah coming the through anti-god's here. hands kind of pulling the anti-god's hand through the mirror yes. that's what we're thinking and then during this time the priest actually grabs an axe during this time too and he tries to chop uh lisa's um lisa Kelly's Kelly. hand and, and hand off and um, head, but it doesn't work. She just grills them all back and puts them all back on. So mm-hmm. she goes to continue growing that hand out after she uh, gets the priest away. So uh, Catherine and Brian um, are okay, but our boy Frank he got a little bit of the. Sp- <laughs> Did you know what happened to Frank? So before they exited the room, Frank got possessed by Mullins and they're like fuck we ain't taking no chances so they kill Frank easy they're just like here right. boom just drop out the mirror fuck that guy yeah they immediately kill Frank yeah man from my boy Frank like he didn't get no screen time in here he was just some some background dude he was all happy about getting this prize and next thing you know get spit on him we just throw him out the window never see him again yep. and so when they escape they see the um so Brian is actually fighting off um um uh 
called her at this time. Like they're like kind of going back and forth uh, fighting. But um, Catherine, she is like, she sees Kelly right there trying to pull this demon out. At first, she's like shocked, like she couldn't move at all. Um, and then she's eventually just like, fuck it. And then she just runs and then fucking tackles Kelly into the magic mirror. And the priest throws the axe, breaks the mirror down. And they're all gone. And they're all gone. And then eventually they all fall and they all get the spirit or smoke comes out of their mouth. And the ones that were alive are still okay. But the one, most of the people were dead. So they stayed dead. Yeah. During this. So maybe we shouldn't have killed Frank so quick. Yeah, well, fuck. Did you even see? We had killed Frank. He's still <laughs> now we find out. Yeah, exactly. Because like they fucking threw him out the window. Maybe if they kept him alive, he'd have been all right. They just fucking threw his ass <laughs> out the window. It's like fuck you, Frank. We don't care about you. Because we find him later on. Like they they actually walk when they're walking out of the building and stuff. The survivors, um, which there wasn't that many. I think it was just like the priest. Uh, and it was, Mark. Yeah, the priest and, and Mark, Walter. and then and, and then the doctor as well too. Oh yeah. Okay. So they're all walking out, um, and you could just see Frank and then um, uh, what's her name, Susan's body, just laying there, and the homeless people are just like, "Oh fuck it." Well, I don't know what happened. They just all leave. They just kind of start wandering off in just different directions. Yeah, and then we get a couple. We get a scene of um, of uh, uh, the doctor talking to Brian, basically saying like, "Hey, you know, this is how life goes," and he said a lot more like, "Hey, this is how life goes. This is." something that needed to be done. She didn't die in vain type of thing. And um, this is, you know, we get more, a little bit more of the dream. Like, hey, this is, uh, this broadcast is happening in 19999. Uh, this is a broadcast from the future. Uh, this is some of your technology is more advanced to, to see it. So we're, we're, we're seeing like this, uh, this, this dream is kind of like a broadcast from the future. And then uh, after that broadcast happened, we have Brian wake up. Well, but you forgot though. Go ahead. So yes, so he wait. So so now the next thing after he talks to the doctor and the priest, he has that uh, priest has been loading the ambulance, yeah. and he's uh, he tells him this is just kind of how how things go sometimes. Yeah. You know, we uh, we had to do this that kind of thing, and then it ha- then it shows the full dream. Yeah, the full one. Yeah, right. You're basically the full dream. So then it's saying the one nine 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 thing, and then this is broadcast from the future when our technology is more advanced um and but yes. we can't yes. uh pre can't transfer <laughs> pre pre y2k our our technology is advanced <laughs> right it, it's advanced enough for us to send uh tachyon signals as they call them back back in back into the past um and then it shows the figure that we've been seeing through this whole movie walking out of the door and then when the figure walks out of the door it's Catherine. yes the same you know after she'd gone through the portal or whatever i guess she goes to the future but it's it's Catherine, and then Brian wakes up. Yes, and then he tried to go to the mirror to see if he can uh, break through to the other side. Well, he just walks up to the mirror and touches it, and then the movie ends. Yeah. So, I guess what we're led to believe is like when Catherine went to the portal, she is somehow turned into the ultimate demon who is now attacking the world in 1999. Mm, that's not what I got out of it. Okay, what'd you get out of it? <laughs> what I got out of it was they misinterpreted that part of the dream, and that dream was not about the anti god. That was the, that was Catherine sending them the signal in the into the past. Okay, so it was her warning them. 
the whole time yeah the whole time was that yeah so that was the few that was her from the future so when she goes to the portal she goes to the future essentially but why in the dream was she acting like one of those creatures possessed well i don't know i mean she's just kind of all she does is kind of walk out of the doorway but i mean she is yeah she is acting kind of creepy okay i can see what you're saying but that's what the way I took it was that she's like that was her message from the future, and then or maybe this actually just was a dream, you mm-hmm. know, like instead of getting a message, it's it actually is a dream that he's having. Yeah, and then he wakes up and he like walks over to the mirror to touch it, and what I took out of that was like maybe I can find a way to go through this portal to where you are. Yeah, I bring it back now. There was like a TV version of this movie. Did you know that? I did not know that. So on the DVD, or the Blu-ray, I guess, I got, um, it actually shows the intro for the TV version, which is basically a little shorter than the version we got in this movie. But it's made to look like a dream sequence. So Yeah, so basically the tone of the TV version of this movie is supposed to be a little different. It's supposed to make it look like the whole thing was like uh, Brian's dream. uh, And then he's getting like this this dream before the events happen type of thing. So I see. So that's yeah. completely different. Like yeah. that changes the entire movie. Yep. Yep. Just, just the way the <laughs> intro was. And I heard there's a couple other, I didn't see the full version of the TV version of this. I heard there's a couple of things that were cut out and a little different, but the intro is, a, it, it has a lot of the same scenes. It just shot a little different. And it's a little quicker. So it's kind of interesting. So, yeah, but this movie definitely was very interesting. It's a, the thing I like about this movie is you can kind of watch it a bunch of times and get very little things out of it. Like it's kind of hard yeah. for us to to break down every little thing that we that we see in this movie because this is one of those movies that just so happens if you watch it over and over and over again, you'll get little hints, you'll get like little things that you didn't notice before. Yeah, it's something you just have to see. And like this is the first time I believe, yeah, this is the first time that we're that we're doing a movie that I've seen that you hadn't seen previously. Yes. So this is like your first time watching it, but I've seen it several times over the years. Um, but it's something that's like, and like I told you when we, when we decided to do it, like it's kind of hard to explain to you what it's about. Yeah. Like it's hard to explain. And even I'm sure nothing in this, this episode will make any sense if you haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Like it just sounds like we're going to, we're talking about gibberish about Jesus aliens and, Satan do and like it, it's it's not, like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But if you watch it, I and mean, it's something you can watch, and you can watch it again and get more out of it every time you watch it. Yes, so it definitely should put it on your bucket list, everybody out there. And hopefully, you know, yeah. you either you know like the review hearing about it, so you want to watch it, or if you just watch it and you can see what we were talking about during this time. Um, and it's definitely like it's definitely something you know. Um, with like the 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 subject and how they mixed like science and religion and, and how this creature can morph itself into different beings um, and do mind control on different beings and you know if it spread if you know this is something like if it spread you know they can actually take over the whole world and they they kind of like stopped it before it could do that or did they you know so or did they <clears throat> so it makes you think it's one of those movies that makes you think out there so but uh, definitely. Very fun John Carpenter film. Uh, very easy to watch. Very very good soundtrack, I would say. So very oh, yeah. good acting. He always has really good actors in his um, films as well. <clears throat> but uh, that has been uh, Prince of Darkness. 
Uh, this is Retro Blood. And well, what are we what are we doing next week? So we actually got a big schedule coming up for the end of November. So on our official date that we drop every Sunday, <laughs> we're doing a total opposite movie than this movie is. I'm talking about <laughs> like if there, <laughs> if you're like comparing the two, like uh, the the movie we're doing next is going to be like something you find like the the opening jobber match or something, like you know. But it's going to be all full of 80s uh, corniness, which is one of my favorite things ever. Yes, we're going to be doing the highly rated uh, jam rocker fest, Black Roses. Black Roses. Black Roses. With all kind of 80s hair men, uh, demon uh, uh, slayers there. (laughs) And, um, And because I'm all about the... Holiday themes. You're all about the holidays. I love holiday theme horror movies. <clears throat> and on the Retro Blood, we celebrate Halloween theme horror movies. Uh, we do have a very, very big jam-packed December, but I'm not going to spoil all that yet. We, our December is going to be crazy over here at the Retro Blood. It's going to be nuts. But for everybody's enjoyment, when you're sitting at home uh, waiting, waiting on the turkey, waiting on the, the football, or waiting on... Uh, to eat some ham, some turkey, some um, help me out here, John. What else do you eat for? You know, some beer, uh, beer, cranberry sauce, cranberry sauce. There you go, mashed potatoes, stuff mashed like that. Potatoes and macaroni and cheese. Don't forget that. Yes, come celebrate with us at the Retro Blood this Thanksgiving. Come celebrate the Retro Blood review of Blood Rage. Blood Rage. Yeah. So when Grandma comes over, you go over to Grandma's. And- Everybody's sitting around, and oh. you know, you can turn on the Retro Blood podcast, and you can all we can all talk about uh, Blood Rage together. Yes, Blood Rage, and we're gonna talk a lot, a lot. So there's a lot of good background to that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a lot of good stuff that actually happened on the date that that movie came out, and. So the movie actually didn't even come out on Thanksgiving, but it's a Thanksgiving like theme. It's a horror. Thanksgiving horror movie. <laughs> it didn't even come out on Thanksgiving, but. During that episode, we're going to talk about a little bit about what happened on the date that it came out, but we're also going to be talking about one of the biggest Thanksgiving day um, traditions in pro wrestling, which is going to be Starcade. We're going to be talking about some, some of the Starcade and the Starcade that happened that year as well. Yep. So we're going to we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving the Retro Blood way. But come join us on Thanksgiving, um, and come join us next Sunday for Black Roses. And then we're going to let you know our December schedule. But before we sign out, do you have any final thoughts on Prince of Darkness, Jay Alice? Just, just watch it. It's a great, it's a, re, it's a really good movie. I mean, it's, it's really good. It's now, not just the kind of shit we've been pushing out here yeah. for the last three weeks. This is a really <laughs> good movie. Yes. And uh, before we go, I did want to ask you too, like, do you, so with the Apocalypse trilogy that John Carver is talking about, like, are the movies linked? together anyway or they just kind of have the same theme they all just they all have the same theme of it being like the end of the world i got you well or the end of like well yeah i mean i guess they all have the whole the whole theme of like this apocalypse it's like um that it's uh um like not necessarily the end of the world but the end of like the world of the people that are in the movie gotcha um so they're not linked thema- they're linked thematically, but they're not linked um, uh, 
Like storyline wise. Storyline wise, yeah. I got you. Well, there we go, everybody. Check it all out. And we're about to be signing off here, and we'll leave you with some of our, with some of the Alice Cooper tracks. This is uh, Prince Prince of Darkness from Alice Cooper. Sign out, everybody, and be careful. If you see that uh, that green ooze um, around everywhere, be careful not to drink it. It might be taken over by some sort of Satan, uh, anti-God-like creature. Exactly. Later. Follow Space Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Space Jesus. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> The fucking space this thing about hold on a second. This might be a little extra, but fucking this guy, this space just comes down. Hey everybody, like this fucking anti guy, he's about to kill you guys in a couple years and shit. I know I don't look human, but I kinda like kinda look like a human. Can you believe me? And then humans are like, Oh yeah, fucking who's this guy? We're gonna kill this motherfucker. All right, I don't and know what kind of, And then they kill that motherfucker. <laughs> like, damn, all right. Shit. Come on. What happened? What did Space Jesus ever do to anybody? All right. <laughs> All right, everybody, this is Alice Cooper. Let's rock it out for Prince of Darkness. See you guys.
the light, he feels the truth, he feels what's gonna be. He spits on life, he spits on God, he spits on death for you and me. Prince of Darkness 